If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, where we talk about how ultra-processed foods are making you fat, sick, and weak, we talk about what we think is the most important thing you need to do if you're trying to get your body in a healthy body weight. There's studies coming out supporting kind of what we've been talking about for mm. the last four years about ultra-processed foods. And you know, we've, we've had a lot of people combat us uh, this whole time, telling us that it's about counting macros, it's about you know, calories. And yes, those are important factors. Yes, those definitely count. Uh, but we've been saying this whole time, uh, you got to pay attention yeah. to what causes the behaviors. There's more to the story. That makes you overeat. And uh, there's now we got studies backing it up. And so in this episode, we talk all about ultra processed foods. First of all, what they are, because I think a lot of us are confused in terms of what does that mean when we say processed food, uh, why they exist, what the good things are about these types of foods. Believe it or not, there are a lot of good things from these foods, and there's a reason why we need them. And then, of course, we talk in, about the negatives. What's happening to you and your body when you consume a lot of these types of foods? Um, and then we talk about strategies, how you can work around modern life where you're around these types of foods um, to get your body to be lean and healthy easier. You know what I'm saying? Like, where you don't want to overeat, where you're not constantly fighting with your appetite and your hunger. Um, so this, we think this episode is going to be extremely, extremely valuable to a lot of you. Also, there's a blog that goes along with this article, and it's got more detail and more information. It's going to be in our show notes, which you can get at mindpumpmedia.com. The blog is titled, The Most Effective Single Step You Can Take to Lose Fat. Also, before we get into the episode, our MAPS HIT program, HIT stands for High Intensity Interval Training, is 50% off. Now, these are barbell and dumbbell circuits. This program was designed to burn the most amount of calories in the shortest period of time. It is a very effective fat loss program in the short term. Again, it's 50% off just to help everybody get ready for for the summer. You just got to go to MAPSHIT, that's M-A-P-S-H-I-I-T.com, and use the code HIT50, H-I-I-T-5-0 for the discount. So there you go. All right, here we are talking about ultra-processed foods and why they're probably making you fat. Did you guys see the uh, the study making the rounds about uh, processed foods? Ooh. Another one, or is this the one you brought up on the show the other day? No, so this is uh, this one is making the rounds. I did bring it up on the show because I did bring it up uh, quickly on the show, but this one's really finally making the point that we've been trying to make for so long in regards to processed foods. But let me tell you what, what, what the study was. So the thing about studies in food um, and nutrition, the reason why a lot of them are, are difficult to, or why it's not a good idea to take their, uh, oftentimes take the results to heart, is because most studies on diet are done uh, in an observational manner. They're all surveys. So people go off, they eat the way they eat, they come back, and they fill out a survey. How often mm. do you eat bacon? How often do you eat? cookies how much sugar do you think you eat and humans aren't always that honest they're not that good they're and terrible at reporting yeah you me? really bad i mean we know this as trainers um you know when a client says oh i, I eat generally around 1500 calories you can probably add four to five hundred calories to that uh, people just don't you know oh i don't eat that much 
bad stuff, and then when they start writing things down, you notice all I kinds eat of, relatively healthy. Yeah, I hear that a lot. It's so it's so it's just notoriously terrible. Nutrition studies are just hard to um, to to really read because of the way they're done, and the reason they're done that way is it's a it's a very difficult thing to control all factors like. When you're doing a study, ideally what you want to do is you want to control all other factors so you could test the one thing that you're trying to test. Well, with nutritional studies, that would mean that you would need to take X amount of people, have them live in a laboratory, and control everything. Look at their sleep, look at their you know, how much water they're drinking, what they're eating, their interactions. Like You have to control everything to, to be able to you know single out what the issue is or isn't, or isn't with particular, whatever you're studying, whatever food you're studying, whatever diet you're studying. And so those studies are rarely ever done. Well, they just did one on uh, ultra processed food, which I want to get into. Well, uh, tell me how they, how did they, how did they control the study? That people lived in a lab. Oh, really? They took, they took 20 people and there were other studies that were similar to this. So this is just echoing um, what the other studies have shown, but this one was like, this is the one that's making the rounds right now. They took 20 people they lived in the laboratory for a month. So for 30 days, these people were totally under the supervision of uh, the scientists. And they had they gave half of them ultra-processed food diet and the other half of them a whole unprocessed food diet. Now, here's the kicker. The nutrient profiles, the proteins, fats, and carbohydrate profiles of the foods were nearly identical. In other words, it wasn't like they gave them all high-sugar processed foods in one side and then the other side had a bunch of low sugar processed foods. They they matched the, the proteins fat they they matched them. So they tried to again, this is why it's so great. They controlled yeah. those factors. Now were they were they uh limited to the amount of calories they were to consume or was it like here's the foods, here's they, the food, then you can eat in addition to that. Yeah, here's your food, eat as much as you want and and just okay. try to yeah, and just eat and we're just going to observe you. And what they did is they had them do this for two weeks, and then for the second two weeks, they switched the groups. Hmm. Another control, which is brilliant, right? Because you could have 10 people that are just- Disciplined. Yeah, so let's see what happens to both when they switch them around. Right, right. Here's what they found. The ultra-processed, when the groups would would be have access to the ultra-processed foods, regardless of the macronutrient profiles, regardless of the salt, fat, sugar- Fiber, protein, all that stuff. They ate on average 500 more calories a day. Wow! So on a, on average, they were eating in a di- now 500 calories a day is not a little bit, as you guys know. Yeah, so no. that's that can that can turn into a pound of fat a week, something yeah. like that, right? Like you're gonna get anywhere between probably three to five pounds or more of body fat gain a month. Yeah, if you eat an extra 500 calories, that's like two hours of cardio, yeah. right? Something like that, an hour and a half of, of hard cardio, something like that. They also found hormonal changes. This is, gets even crazier. So they found that the people who were eating the processed foods had decreases, or excuse me, the unprocessed diet, so the people who eat the whole natural foods, had a decrease in the hunger hormone ghrelin. Now, we know when ghrelin goes up, we want to eat more food. Mm-hmm. It also led to a uh, suppression of the of a hormone called PYY, which also stimulates appetite. So people who ate unprocessed food, their body essentially released hormones and chemicals that would tell them to eat less. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? So it blunts that signal. Yeah. So now what I want to do, what I think we should do is kind of break this down. And, and, and I use the term ultra-processed food. Yeah, I think you need to first address 
one the positive side of and 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 also that most food is processed. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and, yeah, that's a good point. What's like, the real definition? Right, like, processed food. Yeah, the, mo- most food is processed. It's it did serve a pers- a purpose for a very long time. Well, just taking okay, look when you go buy a steak at the store and it and it's in the you know in the little white tray with the plastic covering or whatever, that's we we would consider that as unprocessed. But it's but in reality in the food uh, industry, it's a processed. It's still processed in the sense that it was cut. And, you know, the animals killed and cut and they gave you a piece of steak. So I think what we need to start. And so when we say processed food, we should talk about what we're referring to, because all food you buy at the grocery store was processed. Even the fruit, it it was it was cleaned. It was picked. It was, you know, a sticker was put on it. It was processed in some way. Right. 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 So that's why I'm I'm using the term ultra processed and why the, the study, the peoples who put the study together refer to the pro- to well even like with the meat example and like putting uh you know the plastic over the top of it we're trying to extend its life a little bit further and not have you know bacteria and it be exposed and, and degrade faster exactly so ultra the more the food doesn't resemble its natural state then that would make it more processed so like a rice crispy treat is not like a steak yeah right or or Pretty um, similar or a, a, like a, a beef jerky is far more processed than a steak, mm-hmm. for example. Um, potato chips, far more processed than a potato right. because so much more effort and energy has gone into yeah. increasing the shelf life and increasing the what's known as the palatability, which, which in layman's term is how good it feels to eat it, which includes the taste, right? It includes, right. Yeah, it heightens all the senses. It, right, right. So When did we really start to... To ramp this up, like when did it go from? Dude, humans have been processing food forever. So the uh, moment we started adding seasoning and salt, yeah, and so salt that, was huge. Right? I mean, that was like what one of the people fought wars for was salt. Yeah. So, so like sailors, you know, long time ago, they figured out that if they salted meat, that they could keep it on a ship, and it would stay on the, sh- it would stay okay um, for long periods of time. So if you're out to sea for Four months. You're if you're if you're sailing the, the the Mediterranean or you know you're 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 sailing the the, the Pacific and you need food. Um, they would take lots and lots of meat, but they would salt the hell out of it to prevent it from uh, from going bad because it prevents the growth of bacteria and pathogens. So that was processed. That was that's a that's a form of processing. Um, we learned how to can and jar foods a long time ago. That's a form of processing. And I think people need to realize that that is a good thing. Like that really makes a big difference because we don't, the food that we eat isn't typically where we grow it, right? Like most places are not like California. We live in California. We're lucky. It's got great weather. We can grow a lot of food. But if you live in Minnesota, you're, you're, you're getting food from other places and the ability to keep it from going bad is the reason why you have, you can eat this food and the reason why you have, you know, variety in your grocery store, mm-hmm. it also really helped mankind survive uh, for long periods of time. And so we've been processing food for a long time. It also makes food, uh, you know, convenient. I mean, modern life can be pretty damn busy. Does this explain why, like, the Midwest has got more obesity than like? You th- ever thought? A good of, question. You ever thought yeah, about that? that? Is, That's a really good question, question, dude. You actually, in fact, you actually find that to be Either that or the Mountain Dew. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of that going around yeah. when I was in Chicago. That's a good. That's a really good point, Adam. I think they do. There is a bit of a correlation between um, 
those type of climates and obesity. And it might be the, the dependence on, on, on processed food. Mm. Um, here's some other benefits of processed food. Uh, they're nutrient fortified. And what I mean by nutrient fortified is like vitamins and minerals. People are like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. The nutrients aren't qual- high quality. Listen, it wasn't that long ago, kids were getting having issues because they were lacking nutrients. There's a reason why there's iodine and salt. It actually solved uh, iodine deficiencies in children, which were rampant right. you know, back in the day. Um, you know, iron fortification, B vitamin fortification, um, it, it, these types of things are were important at one point that we now kind of take for granted, and that's just modern technology allowing us to prevent uh, you know these deficiencies that we can get from not getting nutrients. Where if you don't have these types of food, you have to understand how to eat lots of variety right. of different types. Well, of there's food. also perks like you know we we now live in this world where there's I mean there's a, a diet for everybody, right? There's a different ty- diet for just about any person, whether it's vegan or keto or carnivore or you name it, right? And with processed foods, you can now create these foods that fit in these subcategories. Great, great, great point. Which you know, for somebody that may have, uh, you know, gluten intolerance. Yeah, exactly. They can mm-hmm. now they can now eat foods uh, that are similar to the, the the ideal whole food that they want, but it's eliminating some things that they might have an intolerance to, or that way they can fit into this. Uh, you know, diet protocol that they're trying to follow. So oh, that's, absolutely. That's, that's a positive. Well, absolutely. Now, going back to like process versus ultra process, like in terms of like defining that, like what are like some some really good examples of like an ultra processed food, you know, versus processed? Well, things that come in bags, boxes, and or have the Rice Krispie treat. Yeah, that's that's really, really long <laughs> shelf lives. You know, like it's the difference between a strawberry and a strawberry flavored uh, gummy worm, for yeah. example. Like that's ultra processed, you know, it's like, it's a food we invented essentially. I mean, it's made with whole food ingredients, but then we also put it through this process uh, that turned it into something completely I, I different. Think, I think that's a good way to, I think that's a yeah. good way to look at it. If it, it doesn't resemble any whole food whatsoever, like a gummy bear, it's not a- Yeah, it's almost a, what, what you'd say it was artificial, uh, you know, as far as flavoring and there's a lot of artificial, like- I mean, is that still on the label in terms of like they label it as this is an artificial flavor? This is this. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. And they'll, they'll list the chemical names and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, that, I mean, that's a set, like, okay, whole natural foods, unprocessed foods, just for the sake of this conversation. These are foods that look closer to their natural state. So, like, meats that are not processed into sausages and salamis and bologna. Like, bologna is an ultra processed meat. Yeah. Right, like go find me a bologna. An- <laughs> find yeah. me a bologna animal. <laughs> that's gonna be a funky looking animal. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's bologna is is an ultra processed meat. Uh, bacon, bacon is a, another step of processing. Now you can get bacon that is far less processed, but there are lots of popular types of bacon that are much more ultra processed because of all the smoking and seasoning and. And processing of the food to make it taste so even there's just better. a lot more engineering steps involved with the ultra process. And it's funny too when you look at meat, for example. Right, we'll stay on the subject of meat. When you look at the when they show you studies that say, oh, eating lots of red meat is bad for you. Look, it's associated with cancer. This and the other. That's the processed variety of shit. It's not the I ate a steak. It's the I eat lots of hot dogs. Yeah, you know that that tends to be the problem. Right. Yeah. Um, it's the difference between again like a potato and a potato chip, a fruit. And a fruit snack, yep. uh, milk and ice cream, for example. So, if you wanted to stay, if you know, so so the unprocessed stuff is like fruits, vegetables, uh, legumes, 
even look, even grains, grains even have to go through some level of processing. For example, you don't eat wheat in its natural form. You can't. Yeah. You would actually shred the inside of your body if you picked wheat and ate it. Even the ancients, you know, 10,000 years ago, they had to grind the shit out of wheat and process it in their, the way that they process things because they didn't have modern technology to make it so that we could eat it and digest it. Um, so a lot of grains, even the more natural grains, tend to be processed. Uh, rice is less processed than, for example, wheat products because rice you can – you don't have to process as much. You can well, have it. And more, and to your point about other foods that are fortified with nutrients, that the positive side, like uh, you know, we wouldn't have uh, protein powder and protein mm. bars. Mm-hmm. That's ultra processed, right, right? If it wasn't for processed foods, absolutely, and absolutely. So, and and you know, being a trainer and trained many clients, uh, under consumption of protein is a, a very common thing that you deal with people. So uh, it's it's not as it's not very convenient to have to you know, kill and slaughter a cow and then go cook it and do that every single time you're looking for a source of protein. So Yeah, and there's times where you need to supplement with a concentrated amounts. Like, you know, you have a, a serious deficiency that you need that concentrated amount. Like, you can get it from a whole food sources, but you still need more than that. Exactly. So, so let's say I just want to add, let's say I'm, I'm monitoring my food intake and I'm looking at my macros and I just want to add, I need to add 50 grams of protein to my diet and really don't have a whole lot of room to add anything else. I can either go get a dry boiled chicken breast and have to cook it and all that stuff, or I can use a protein powder, which is far more convenient and gives me exactly what I'm looking for. And that we, you know, we that's a, that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all, especially how busy we tend to be and how difficult it can be to find the time to do these types of things. I, I've had many clients who've benefited from having a protein powder, which is an ultra processed food. The other thing is the is the the cost. The cost of food that is wasted because it went bad is massive. People don't realize this. Like we are feeding the world, and processing foods or processed foods tends to be far more efficient because I could make, you know, I could make boxes of processed foods that contain proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, and I could ship it across the world and lose very little of it. Yeah. But if I grow a bunch of vegetables and fruits and meat, the transferring of that stuff is expensive. Mm-hmm. The fact that a lot of it's going to go bad on the way there is right. going to cost, and it creates- Some of it is more ripe than others. It yeah. creates a tremendous amount of waste. And when you're trying to feed a lot of people, it's far easier and more efficient to do so with uh, with, with processed foods. Far easier to do that. You know, uh, imagine eliminating you know, like uh, rice and wheat. Well, the world, how many people would starve? Yeah, and you mentioned uh, in terms of waste, like so the packaging itself, like uh, w- actually that's more of a detriment. That would be a detriment, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, so we'll not, get to that. Well, I, yeah. can, I can see also benefits too, like you know how I've used processed foods or drinks. Um, you know, when in in the performance world, when you're when you need like your runners that need a, a quick surge of of sugar, or you are an athlete um, competitor. Uh, and you need this burst of energy or you, you want know. to drink with the right balance of electrolytes and right yeah. right so i mean man how awesome is that like we didn't have that you know a hundred plus years ago Dude. so the ability for us to understand the, the science of how these nutrients fuel our body and help us perform better and now we have access to these types of things that's part of the variety thing like processed food let you go camping 
They let people go on the moon. You know, they're not bringing fresh fruits and vegetables up it in the space us station. Tang. Yeah. yeah, that was huge. <laughs> you know, so you've you've got lots of that variety. And here's the thing: processed foods, from a pathogen standpoint, from a foodborne illness standpoint, are safe, far safer than the uh, than than unprocessed foods. Far safer. Right, right. So like, your odds of contracting salmonella or some other you know foodborne illness are way higher. When you're eating right. something They've in its full natural state, out. yeah, you typically nine out of ten times when when there's a salmonella outbreak, it's not in a box of uh, of cookies. It, it, yeah. it, it could happen it's from like some other source. It's like yeah, salad like or spinach salad or spinach, something like that, yeah. right? And so in certain in some societies that don't have the same standards, like the U.S., we have good standards. Foods get checked and all that stuff. But in other societies, look, I'll tell you what: if I go to a third world country. And I need to get some food, and I go inside one of their supermarkets or whatever that they have there. I'm it's safer for me to grab the packaged food than it would be for me to grab the street vendor's food. Mm-hmm. They may be cooking some pork and whatever, but you know, yeah. I, I I did that in Thailand when I was in Thailand. I ate some some food, and it made me sh- hella sick. And it wasn't beca- it wasn't the processed food that. Well, I ate. that's that's another positive too. That right, it's allowed us to help like third world countries. Totally. Um, that I mean, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't drop a crate of raw meat on a a group of you know starving you know young kids or a starving country. They're what the fuck are they going to? do? You would waste so much of it, right? Some people exactly, right? So there's there's definitely there's lots of use for this for the evolution of food and and the the part of the processing. So it's not and it, and this it, is a good. I'm glad we're doing this because I think people think sometimes that we demonize it so much that we wish it never existed. Yeah. No man, it's it's a it, we need it in many cases. And like anything that is extremely valuable um, and has a lot of power, it can be wielded in different ways. And this is the benefit side of it. This is why it exists in the first place and why mankind you know, has been trying to figure these things out for a long time. Oh, yeah. We were solving problems. I mean, initially, that was the I mean, it was all with good intent, you know, trying to create these foods that would last longer and would feed more people and, and you know, they could get a handle on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we now I don't remember what the numbers, what the exact numbers. Are. I read this a long time ago, but the amount of farm land required to feed a thousand people has shrunk considerably because of uh, modern farming practices and our ability to process certain things. So in the past, uh, you would need far more land to feed the same amount of people. But we've gotten so good that now we need far less land. And that's a good thing because we have a, a lot of people on this planet. And, and now it doesn't come without its risks and caveats, which we're going to get into yeah. and go off on. But uh, it's important. Again, I think it's good that we're making the, this point that there are some good sides to processed foods and it's not uh it's not evil it's just it's not respected i think it's not respected for the other side you know there needs to be some parameters you put in place but uh, yeah we'll get into that absolutely so here's some look here's the thing and here's where and i want to go into the negatives of uh ultra processed food but before i do i think it's important to make this case right here if the the biggest single contributor contributor to chronic health problems in modern societies. Because there's a lot of problems, a lot of chronic health problems in modern societies. We, I mean, I can go down the list of diabetes, cancer, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, um, inflammatory disorders, autoimmune disorders um, that are just seem to be growing and exploding. But the single thing that contributes to all those the most 
uh, is obesity, right? Obesity, if you're overweight, if you have a lot of too much fat on your body and you consistently consume too many calories, you're at risk on a hundred other things. Everything. Your cancer risk goes through the roof, your heart disease goes through the roof, your 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 diabetes risk goes through the roof, dementia, Alzheimer's risks go through the roof, uh, autoimmune disorders risks go through the roof, like everything goes through the roof. And so it's, it, it, although the problem is far more complex than that, if we were to say, what is the single biggest health problem of modern societies? I think it would be safe to say obesity. Like that'd yeah. be a safe thing to say. Now, what's the biggest contributor to obesity? Like what's the problem? Like everybody knows it, uh, you know, talk to anybody who's 50 pounds overweight and ask them, hey, do you think that you, you, you know, do you it's, want to lose a little bit? They'll say yes, right? Everybody knows it. It's eating in excess. Too much. I yeah. mean, we, and, you know, we've touched on this before that we just a hundred years ago, it was hard to come by food. Mm. You know, it wasn't, it was something that uh, you, you probably had to be very wealthy to have an excess of food that you could just binge. In all. fact, it used to be that. It used to be where- Signs like, of, of of wealth. That's right. Right. If you were a little overweight, it was like, a, a cool, oh, he must be rich. And it's, you know by the way, that's in all most cultures. Right. And most cultures believe that. Like, right. I, I know in some Asian cultures, being a little overweight- I, 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 I 100% think that's part of the problem is that we've, we have uh, aspired to it for so long- mm. And now we've actually got it. And now we've got it so much that it's an abundance for everybody, not just the wealthy, but even the poor. We've done such a good access to these foods. We've done such a good job of making food accessible and cheap that, and then other things that we're going to get into that it's now become a problem. I mean, I remember as a trainer, you guys remember this. Like, I remember having to actually combat this with clients when I'd have a client that. You know, they had to scrape as little money they they could to afford to even have me as a coach and trainer. And part of their excuse of not eating well would be like, Adam, I could eat at the on the ninety nine cent menu yeah. at McDonald's, you know, three or four times a day and and get my calories. And it's like, to their point, they're they're right. Like it's it's almost cheaper to eat shittier now and eat get more calories when and that's our fuel uh, through these types of sources. And we have you know just Again, 50 to 100 years ago, we didn't have uh, fast food restaurants on every single corner. That's crazy. And, and, and it's, so here's the thing, too. Like if we, if we understand that overeating is – and it's more complex than that. But if we really had to boil it down, right, uh, and, and we just overeat. We eat more than we need to. If we could solve that, we would solve a large part of the problem. Just that right there. Like, forget the, like... Well, and this is in defense of our boy Lane. Like, this is Lane's argument always is the calories thing. Right. It, it, mm-hmm. it does always come down to calories. The fact is, though, that there's there's other factors that play into that. Right. right. The problem is, is he's looking at the science, and a lot of people do this in our space. They look at the, the numbers and they say, well, yeah. just it's just that people are overeating. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, okay, yes, that's true, but now let's figure out why... Why that's become a problem, and here's the here's the yeah, myth. What are the behaviors that are? And here's the that. myth. I would love to over. I, I, I want to just dispel right now. The myth is that because humans evolved uh, for large parts uh, in scarcity, that our we have no natural safeguards against overeating. Hmm. The myth is if you just give humans access to food all the time, they're going to eat themselves to death. And the reason that is is because for most of human history. We didn't have access to a lot of food, so it was evolutionarily advantageous for us to just eat food when we had it in front of us. Hmm. That's a myth. That's not. That's part of that is a myth. We do have natural 
mm-hmm. safeguards against overeating because You've just overrided them. Because look, yep. let me tell you something. When a when a when a hunter killed a, 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 a an animal, you would still be disadvantageous to fucking eat until you threw up and got sick. Obviously, look, go try to eat as much as you can at one sitting, and and you'll you'll hit those natural systems right away. You'll mm-hmm. gag. You don't want to eat more. The human body is not, it wasn't, it didn't evolve to have this endless fucking appetite. It doesn't work that way. In fact, the study that I just quoted earlier proves that. You had people eating whole natural foods and they ate 500 calories less. And they weren't even told, they weren't told to monitor their food. Their body kicked in and they Mm -hmm. measured it through those hormones. They're natural safeguards. So the point that I want to make is this. We all naturally, and it's it's more complex than this, of course, because there's emotions and and fear and anxieties and you know how how you treat food and if you abuse it in a particular way. There's all that too, but largely humans naturally have these safeguards that won't let you eat too little and won't eat let you eat too much. Now these safeguards aren't going to make you shredded, so I want to be clear. It's not like you're, we're all going to be shredded, but they see these safeguards should prevent you if you're healthy from getting obese. And they should prevent you from, from not eating and becoming malnourished. Those safeguards exist. Here's the problem. The safeguards are, you know, let's say the parameters are here and I'm making, I'm putting my hands about maybe 20 inches apart. What happens when you eat in a particular way, when you eat foods that a lot of money goes into making them super, super tasty and super palatable, those parameters move over. So now those safeguards don't kick in till much later, which is what we're finding with the well, studies. And not only that, but we also live in a, a, a very uh, distracted time in our lives where many people are not even trying to become aware of those mm-hmm. signs. Like it's, I mean, I, I think that's uh, one of the things that you have to be so careful about is like when you are mindlessly eating and not paying attention to how my stomach feels what my stool was like, how I felt the next next day, how my energy level feels two hours later. Like, 100%. there's so many of these these signs that the body may be trying to give you. That, in my experience, at least, most of my clients were just absolutely clueless, oblivious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely clueless of it because one, they weren't trained or taught to even look for those things, and then two, their diet was so filled with these super ultra processed foods that were designed. To hijack that. Oh, yeah. No, what ends up happening is, so first and foremost, the money that goes into ultra-processed foods, if you were to look at all the money that goes into it, some of the money goes into its shelf life. Now, we've got that down pat. We've kind of figured out how to make food last a long time pretty well. So there's not like crazy money and science going into making food last past a certain point. Like you want your processed food to last you about six months to a year. Anything past that, and there's no market for it, unless you're buying emergency food or you plan on trekking to the top of, you know, some mountain and you plan on living there for for a couple of years. Nobody, like, you don't go to. Let me put it this way: none of us are going to the store and comparing foods and saying, "Okay, this is going to last me yeah, two years." Yeah. yeah, nobody cares. After a certain point, nobody gives a shit anymore. So, where does all the money go into processed foods? Making it, it taste better. Making them palatable. Now, here's why I use the word palatable. Palatable is different than taste. Taste is a part of palatability. 
taste is how you perceive its 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 taste, but there's also how it feels in your mouth, how it smells, how it smells, how it crunches, the color of the bag, the way the bag when you open it, um, the way it feels in your hands, the dust it leaves on your fingertips. Okay, right. I'm by the way, I am not making any of this up. This uh, Doritos is this famous is all for a very this. visceral so experience. Dorito intentionally leaves all that, and Cheetos do that on purpose. It's not like by chance that they don't they don't yeah. do that, dude. They, if you so look at the lick off that. Fairy dust. You can ah. read books on this on food scientists, and they go into like painful, painful detail on how to make this food. Think about it this way: if you could make a cigarette more addicting, you would kill your competition. In fact, they made yeah. the laws against they that. They actually did that. They actually yeah. made laws against that because they were doing that. Yeah. If you could make food more palatable, you're going to crush your competition. Well, Just that's a, that's a that's a point. That's a great point to make right there. Is that. You know, it's a uh, when it comes to those things, it's a less regulate. It's funny that we regulate that with cigarettes, right? We do that with cigarettes that oh, we make it to where you can't make it more addictive than it already is, and it gets a bad rap for that. But it's glorified in yeah. food. I well, mean, once we, you we, pop, we, you can't stop. I mean, that was like a, a campaign for Pringles, right? right? It's it's crazy. Lays. You right in our face. You can't just eat one. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it is something that is celebrated in the food space. Is who can make it more addictive to the point where we can make commercials around it, bragging about how addictive the properties are. Look and at, because, oh shit, I ate the whole bag. Because food is an is a is a necessary evil. We don't demonize it the same way. Mm -hmm. We don't look at it like cigarettes. Cigarettes aren't necessary. Nobody needs to smoke a cigarette to live. Mm -hmm. And so we we can look at it differently and we separate it differently than food. But when you look at that obesity is surpassed what what cigarettes was at one at one point. In terms point. of killing people? Yes. Oh, it's killing giving more people cancer than cigarettes. Right. Yes. At what point do we start to have and I know it sounds very alarmist to say this, but at what point do we start looking at food as holy shit, this can be as dangerous as cigarettes. Oh, I, I, mm -hmm. I'd say more dangerous because we don't we don't perceive the danger, like you said. Yeah. It's we don't look at a bag of, you know, hyper palatable chips and 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 think to ourselves like, oh shit, that's that's like a bag of cigarettes. N nobody thinks that, right? Ab uh, not at all. And so that's a, a lot of the problem. A lot of the problem is most of the money goes into engineering these foods. Look, let me put it to you this way: the top selling. Cat food in any category, health food or not, is the tastiest one. Okay, mm -hmm. I challenge anybody to to sh prove me wrong. The top selling protein bar is not because it's got the best macros; it's because it tastes the best. Yeah. The top selling pre workout is not because it works the best; because it tastes the best. The top selling chips, cookies, beef jerky, any category, is because it is the most palatable. And and this is the thing now. Because we're in a market-based economy, the market creates what people want. And, and then here's what ends up happening. It creates this unhealthy obsession with the hedonistic properties of food, which then leaves no room for you to value the other things in food. Just like you were saying, Adam, mm. how many people think to themselves, I need to eat you know, God, I want to go eat something right now to help my digestion. Right. Or I need to go eat something for my skin. Or I need more energy. I'm going to go eat something to give me more energy. Nobody does because we've placed so much value on the hedonistic pleasure of the food to the which, point where which, that's the value. That's which, all the value. by the way, we're not demonizing that either. There's no. something to be said. I'm just making you aware of it. Right. There's something to be said about that. It's it's nice to be able to go have a nice dinner 
and enjoy a steak and have something like that and enjoy it for those reasons. But that doesn't mean that you can't also look at the uh, the negative sides that come with that. And that's the problem. Just is respect that, it. Is that we only celebrate mm-hmm. it and we don't talk about, oh, what comes with that is all the addictive properties that is obviously is what's the main cause of what's causing Listen, obesity. Right, right now, the right now, people listening to our podcast who and our podcast is a fitness and health podcast. So there's there's even a self-selection bias. We have healthier minded people listening right now. I guarantee you most of the meals that you that you eat, maybe even today, the reason why you chose that meal is because it tasted better than the other option. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not a bad thing. Just be aware of it because you can change it because the way that you value things can be changed what you become once you become aware of them. So, I'll give you an example. It's a funny example, but you know, my 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 grandfather used to have always a jar of prunes in his house all the time. He didn't really like the taste so much, but he valued the prunes because it helped him because it works. Go to the bathroom. Yeah. So he would eat them for that value. If you start to become more aware of the other things about food and aware that you may be overvaluing just the palatability of food, you'll start to find yourself making better choices. I've done this with clients time and time again. I, I, I had a, I shared this story before. I'll share it again. I had a client once who never ate vegetables, ever. Hated them. Thought mm-hmm. they were absolutely disgusting. Didn't eat them since she was a child, I think. And so I talked her into eating one stalk of broccoli a day. There's one piece of broccoli a day. And what I did was I told her, stop, pay attention, become aware of how it makes you feel, become aware of, go ahead and become aware of flavor of the taste that you don't like, but also become aware of the other things that, that, that you may be getting from the food, your energy, your stool, your skin. And so little by little, I bumped her up and bumped her up. And then she started noticing things. She started noticing, well, I eat my vegetables I sleep better. When I eat my vegetables, my skin looks better and it, my digestion's my better. My energy lasts longer. She started craving broccoli. Yeah. It took a while, but she started craving it because she started to become aware of the other values of food that were not just the the the, the pleasure there's of eating a, it. There's a flip side of that too. You have to talk about how the body adapts and starts to perceive food, totally. food differently when you go down the other plane. And this is the one of the greatest challenges when you're dealing with clients. And, and, I, and I'll never forget when this like, really hit home for me because even as a trainer, um, because I ate so much processed foods in my diet, uh, especially sweet things, I was always a candy chaser, the ice cream. I liked sweet foods and I got a lot of that through processed foods. My palate and the way my body perceived sweet was completely altered and I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So if someone talked to me about certain fruits, like, oh, these berries or, oh, try this pear, I'd be like, "Eh, it's bland to me. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing that you could say to me to to change my mind that that banana, that apple, that pear tasted amazing because to me, it tasted like shit. It tasted completely bland. It wasn't until I went really, really strict and went on a, a whole food diet for a really long period of time, six months beyond that, and then I and I started to introduce fruit then did my did my body start to perceive it completely different than it ever had in my entire life and so a lot of things part of this challenge for people is they've been eating so much processed food for so long mm. that they if they try to take advice from what what we're talking about right now and they go okay I'm going to try and eat all these whole foods all of a sudden food's totally oh, boring it takes oh, work. Yeah. food is terrible for like the first couple months of that 
Well, well, yeah, even going through that process, like I've had clients too that I've had like broccoli and these like extra fibrous type uh, vegetables that they started to include and they had to go through the the fun process of the gas and everything that, you know, comes with that in, in the digestive process that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they weren't used to, you know, this, this excess of fiber to help things move along and like, you know, they're hitting the bathroom up. But, you know, like when you get through the process and the work of it, you know, then you start understanding and realizing the importance of a regular, uh, you know, like a process with that yeah. in terms of poop and everything. And else. there's, there's natural, there, there, by the way, there's, there's, there's reasons why we find certain things palatable and they're not bad reasons. They're actually good reasons in nature. If you eat something that is palatable, it pro and the reason why we perceive it as palatable is because through evolution, we've identified that certain things come with a lot of value in nature. So like fat, why is fat one of the like what do they call it? Fat, sugar, and salt. Like those are the those are the things that tend to make things palatable and Delicious. using them and using them in the right combinations, right? So why do we find fat so amazing? Well, because in nature, for most of human history, fat there's nothing more calorie dense than fat, and calories are, are hard to come by naturally when you're a hunter gatherer. So when you killed an animal, you ate the fat first. In fact, modern hunter gatherers leave the lean cuts mm-hmm. uh, uh, for last be- because they crave the fat. Now, th- why do we evolve that way? It's where the calories are. Yeah. One gram of fat is- stored energy. It's got more than twice as much stored energy as protein or carbohydrates, okay? So that's number one. Number two, salt. Why is salt so palatable? Because in nature, it's actually rare. It's not easy to come by salt, and you need salt. Salt is essential. That's why humans would lick rocks, literally would find rocks and lick them, and animals would do the same thing to get that sodium. Wars were fought over salt. What about sugar? Sugar is a very fast, quick source of energy, but besides that, sugar used to come with nutrients that were harder to find. So if you're like walking through you know, the jungle or whatever, and you're a hunter-gatherer, and you see a naturally growing fruit tree, which isn't super common. You don't come across orchards of apples. It wasn't like they grew everywhere. You would see one. You'd look at this. What is this thing? You taste it. Oh my God, vitamin C or other nutrients that you don't necessarily find so easily aside from... So your body would make you crave and eat that. And it's also a fast source of energy. Now here's the problem. We have modern science. We know this now and we Frankenstein food. We engineer the fuck out of it to mess with all these signals. And it's gone beyond fat, salt, and sugar to color, taste, and then the use of chemicals mm-hmm. to trick you into, to literally trick your brain into wanting to eat more. And so, Adam, you talk about how your taste buds or your your your, your how you sense the food changes. Well, we now have evidence that it not only does that, it changes your hormones. Your body literally, because you're perceiving this food to be hyperpalatable, your body literally changes to make you want to eat more yeah. on a hormonal level. This is why it's so hard to go back the other way. Mm-hmm. This is why it's really hard to convince people that they they want to eat these whole whole natural foods. But the the cool part is that if you do and you get to that point, it, it's a, it's an amazing place to be if you were somebody who hated eating vegetables, didn't like fruit. Like when anytime somebody tells that to me, they don't even have to tell me about the rest of their diet and I already know what's happened. Like it, you're you're eating a ton of processed foods, mm-hmm. and it's and it's totally hijacked that. That's the reason why. Yeah. And because you've been eating that way for so long, it's really tough to convince that person that over time, I promise you, you'll actually start to like those foods. Yep. And it's crazy, but it it 
it will. And then once you have done that, then it's amazing. Once you've you've pulled those foods out, the the ultra processed foods long enough, you've ate whole natural foods long enough, then it becomes a lot easier to pick up on those signals that we're talking about that most people are unaware of, right? When you start talking about hair, skin, energy, gut, stool, all these things that are all the body's signals trying to tell you that this food is not ideal for you, they're no longer hijacked anymore. Your body hasn't adapted to it because you haven't been consistently eating them. Now your body's gotten used to eating these whole foods. Now when you reintroduce this shit, now wake up. Now, Now become woke. Now pay attention to... Oh shit, when I have that, you know, pint of ice cream, like two, you know, less than two hours later, I'm going, oh, and I'm growling. And, and then I'm on the, st- I'm on the t- toilet an hour after that. And then the next day I feel lethargic. I see the water I'm holding. Like you'll start to pick up on all these. Yeah. Things. You even see too, when you reintroduce those highly palatable foods, like how sweet it is. It's like alarming how sweet it is mm-hmm. once you've like gone through the process of eating whole natural foods and, and fruits and, uh, you know, where those, the natural balance is there with, uh, you know, how, how they're providing that with conjunction with fiber and having to work through Dude, that. E- America is the processed food capital of the world. Um, we're the ones that really created that market and exported it. And it's funny, compare old uh, desserts from old cultures to modern processed foods. You guys ever eat like an old, like uh, Japanese uh, uh, dessert? You would think that they forgot to add the sugar to it. Yeah, hmm. you know, it's 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 the we have changed what we think is we have changed the way we perceive food to the point now where we got to keep pushing the limit. And what you're saying, Adam, was is completely true. It's like imagine you're driving your car and your windshield is covered in mud except for a little small spot where you can kind of see the road and you can't read any of the gauges. All the gauges are are blocked out. That's what it's like navigating through. The world eating highly processed food. You're not, you can't see the signals. I don't know if my gas is low. I don't know if my tires are flat. I don't know if I need to turn real quick coming up here. I'm just driving and I'm barely able to drive on the road. Yeah, you have no idea. Now, when you go off of them, all of a sudden the windshield's clean and you can see all the gauges in front of you. Now I can, now when I reintroduce them, like Adam said, oh shit, my gas is low. This is not good. Oh crap, I have a, a flat tire. And what this may mean for you is my energy is low. It's, it's funny. I'll have clients do this, and then they'll they'll go on a vacation and then indulge in hyperpalatable foods or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, my God, I broke out. You know, I didn't realize that a lot of my acne was due to my nutrition. It's like, well, I mean, now you are. Now you're able to see these signals because you went off of things. Well, here's the other danger of all this stuff, too. And, and I like sharing, and I think the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because uh, this was an issue for me. So I... My whole life, I was a a sugar addict for sure. I candy uh, every single day, every single day that I had some sort of a candy. There was always candy in my car, candy at my house. Like it was. And here's the deal: I wasn't fat, and so when I'm looking at my my visual representation of myself, I think I'm healthy. I'm a personal trainer. I work out. I've got muscles on me. I'm able to have my Mike and Ike's every single night or my Ben and Jerry's ice cream occasionally whenever I feel like it. And so I don't got a problem. That's what I think in my head. Now, at this time in my life, I don't 
like eating vegetables. I don't like fruit whatsoever because I'm consuming mm-hmm. so much of this processed sugar all the time. So I don't think I have a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. I don't realize I do until I get in this point where I decide to go on this whole food diet and recognize, holy shit, now I love apples. Oh my God, now I love vegetables and didn't notice that. And then when I reintroduce the the Mike and Ike's or the sugar, and then I pay attention to how my body feels. Now I start to piece this all together. So that's, we also live in this, if it fits your macros world that makes this really challenging for the fitness world. So I know there's people right now because we do attract a a lot of fitness people already that are in the same boat, 100%. I mean, most of my peers that I, that I either competed with or I worked with in the training Mm -hmm. world, all were like this. You know, you're eating two or three protein bars a a, a day. I'm eating all this processed sugar all day long, but I'm ripped and I'm lean. Right, I look good, yeah. so I think I'm fine. Well, well, and that's okay. So what that does is it promotes the the overvalue of food for its taste and palatability, and the overvalue of my health just based on my aesthetics. And so, without realizing it, and look, we see this all the time. The fitness space is full, full of people with poor relationships with their body and food, body image issues, and food issues left and right. That mentality, Adam, promotes that because I continue to reinforce the fact that it's all about my looks and, okay, if I'm lean, I guess I'm healthy and everything's good and I like this food and I'm going to eat it and it fits my macros, but it tastes really good. So let me ask you this, Adam, now that you're not doing that anymore and you're still lean and all that stuff, just like you were in your 20s, how is your food relationship and your and your, and your body image now versus back then? Oh, yeah, 100 times better. Exactly. Yeah. So this is all kind of a part of the process. You know, one other thing I wanted to, I wanted to t- touch on because certain crops are uh, made into processed foods easier, it does, and this is for the environmentalists uh, who, li- who listen to our podcast, lots and lots of ultra-processed foods does promote less crop diversity. You start to see more corn, more soy, more wheat being uh, grown, and less of other types of crops because corn, soy, wheat... And even rice can be turned into processed foods and flavored however the hell you want. Right. They just And so those are the crops that we tend to grow. So if you want more crop diversity, whole natural foods also helps you uh, with that. And then, of course, the you had mentioned this earlier, Justin, the inorganic waste. Right. So, yes, uh, whole natural foods promotes more food waste because it goes bad and doesn't have a long shelf life and it's harder to transport. Processed foods comes in boxes and packages and wrappers, and that creates more Inorganic waste, waste, which you know takes hundreds or thousands of years to break down. So I guess the question is that it, we we understand um, the values that the, the processed foods and uh, how what it's brought to us, right? The, the ways that we can use the good we, stuff. The good stuff. We understand uh, the the negative side effects potentially uh, of this and what what path that could lead down to. I guess the question is then, how do we in today in today's time? How do we manage uh, around this to where one we don't demonize this food, where it's it's and 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 we're realistic with it's probably going to make its way into our diet in one mm-hmm. form or another. How do we how do we manage that, and how do we get to a place where we have a good relationship and understanding of these foods? Yeah, and and, and it's, what a great point because I think we've made the case now that if you eat lots of ultra processed foods, regardless of how aware you are about your health, um, it will push you to want to overeat. And so one of the easiest things you could do to maintain a healthy body weight, again, this won't make you shredded. If you want to get shredded, you got to get more detailed. But if you want to maintain a healthy body weight, 
if you don't eat a lot of processed food, your body will naturally, mostly, because there are other issues why people overeat as well. So I'm not saying this is a, a, a you know a, sol- a solution for everybody, but if you're otherwise healthy, avoiding ultra processed foods will probably bring your body into a relatively healthy body weight on its own without having to count macros and calories and all that stuff. Again, like that study proved, 500 calorie difference. Uh, difference. Same macro breakdown. So it's really just limiting, you know, the access to it. So like you're you're going through inventory in your house, and you're just you're trying to you know stock your your house with more whole natural foods. Not not saying it's not going to make its way in, but you have limited access to these types of foods. Yes, because again, in the study, they let people eat as much as they wanted. One group had access to whole natural foods, so go ahead and eat as much as you want. And the other group had access to these ultra processed foods. And what you need to understand is you are playing, uh, it, it's a it's a battle and you're probably going to lose. So respect that. So what I mean by that is some people are like, oh, I have, you know, why can't I just have them on my house and then just be aware and not eat them? Okay. You can do that. If you're a super self-aware. Those Oreos are going to call you yeah, late if you're at night. A super self-aware, disciplined person and you're like a, you know, a nutrition monk. Yeah, go for it. But for most of us, uh, I would say probably a good idea not to have it in your house. Just no, don't have it there. Add a barrier between you and the ultra processed food. So like uh, like this is what I do. So I don't avoid it completely. I enjoy these types of foods every once in a while when I want to indulge. Um, I just don't have them on my house. And so I have to, if I'm sitting at home and I'm like, man, I really want a bag of chips. Like, yeah. I really want a bag of chips. Damn it! I got to get my shoes on. You got to go get it, and I got to get in the car and drive. Yeah. It's just a barrier. Right? Yeah. How bad do I want it? It's right. just a barrier, and the, you know what that barrier does? Is it puts space between mm-hmm. me and the Im- impulse? Because what ultra processed foods do, just like anything that taps into, mm. uh, your, you know, th- th- that system of your body, uh, it becomes impulsive, impulsivity, where you're not aware. It's crazy how yep. how powerful that tip is that you just gave. Because when I think about you know, when we used to grocery shop as kids with my mom and so like that, because we we had a terrible diet growing up, and you know it was just, it was just part of grocery shopping. We went down the chip aisle and you know we picked mm-hmm. three or four bags of our favorite chips. Like it was just like we weren't even craving it at that moment. It's just like we know we will. So here you go. Yeah. Yep. And like that attitude right away when you're grocery shopping of let's include this because I know I'm gonna want it. Like you, come on, like you're already setting yourself up for failure by doing that. The first thing that you can do is to just limit those foods in your house. You're already winning half the battle right there because, believe it or not, most people, like you said, Sal, like, man, I got to put my shoes on. I got to go drive to the grocery store. Like, do I really want just, I mean, I might be feeling like I'm craving a bag of chips right now. The other thing, too, is to be aware of when we get these feelings of cravings, uh, a lot of times it's your body, too, that's it's naturally hungry. And if you just made the the healthy mm-hmm. choice, watch how fast that goes away. I don't know how It'll many times. It'll satiate you if you this, make the right this, choice. This was one of the reasons why I'm a big uh, advocate of, of meal prepping and why I like to have a good, healthy meal, balanced meal in the refrigerator at all times. Because then it just becomes a, a mental discipline thing. Because it really is tough. I get it when it's like a convenience or a time thing. It's like, oh, I only have 10 minutes. But it's already convenient. You're prepped it. Right. It's so con- I, I, so I eliminate that, right? Mm-hmm. I eliminate that that obstacle of convenience right away by having it prepared. Mm-hmm. Then it just comes down to a, a mental discipline thing. Yeah, I really want to go get a bag of you know fire Cheetos right now, but I know that I've already made my rice, avocado, and shredded chicken dish that's sitting in my refrigerator right now. Mm-hmm. And man, that sounds boring and bland, but I'm so hungry right now. That, okay, what happens when I just go eat it? What happens every 
every time. Once I start eating it, well, I'm now complete- you're hitting yeah two points with that. Like one, you you got convenient healthy food, but you went through the process of actually cooking it, which I know a lot. Like that's a lost art these days. Like we want everything so convenient where I just open it up, uh, you know, from the box, I shove it in the microwave, it's ready to go. Like I don't even have to think about it. Uh, you know, when you get more of the process, you get back into actually thinking about what ingredients are in there. Uh, you know, what it's going to do for my body. Like really, like focusing in on. Uh, what kind of nourishment I'm providing my body as I'm cooking the whole process, it becomes a different experience. Yeah, really, really good point. And I want to get into that, the valuing of the process of preparing your food. But before I jump into that, I want to touch on what you said, Adam, uh, which I think uh, I'm going to put it in a way that I think will resonate with people. Um, Create barriers between you and these ultra-processed foods and eliminate barriers between you and healthy foods. Mm. So what are the barriers that tend to prevent us to, from wanting to eat healthy foods. It's convenience and time. Mm-hmm. So get rid of that by prepping it. It's already ready in the fridge. So now there's no barrier there. Now let's put a barrier between yourself and the processed food, which would be, it's not in my house. So now I have to take an extra step to eat the processed food, whereas the, the non-processed food, I have now made it much easier to consume. And this is an important thing to understand. The, the impulsive behaviors that we tend to have, one of the best ways to prevent or to stop impulsive behaviors is to create space between you and that behavior. Like if I impulsively want to grab a cigarette and it's in front of me, there's no space. I'm going to have it. If the, if I have to drive somewhere to get that cigarette, I've created enough space for me to become aware enough to stop and be like, okay, probably not a good choice for myself. And that's okay. You want to have that space, create that space between you and those impulsive decisions. So that's a that was a brilliant uh, uh, tip there. Now, as far as what you're saying, Justin, about prepping and cooking, that is a lost uh, art. It's one of the most meditative things you can do. It's also, if you're sitting around thinking, what do I do with my girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife? You know, I want to spend some quality time, uh, but we don't want to, and every time we go out, we spend, you know, 150 bucks on dinner and movies. Cook. Yeah. Cooking is such a, or your kids, I'll tell you what, some of the best uh, time that I spend with my kids mm-hmm. is when we're sitting around prepping food together. We have great conversation. We like, we've lost the, because it, it's, it was like, I think we perceived it as like this, ah, uh, you know, slaving over cooking and uh, I got to, you know what? Every oh, once in a so while, fucking, or we're so fucking spoiled. Yeah, yeah, it's everything, ridiculous. Everything has to be too creative, too. You know, like we're we're all looking for the most awesome tasting, you know, like recipe, whatever. Like for me, like that was always a deterrent because I always thought, like, I'm not a good cook. I'm not really interested in making it super fancy or mm-hmm. anything. But uh, honestly, once I started just cooking meats and grilling meats outside and adding seasoning to them and uh, adding, you know, grilled vegetables and, and uh, just, you know, like rice is very easy to cook. Uh, that's something that I could switch up and rotate and get different nutrients from different vegetables. Uh, very simple. Well, it's it, a very simple process. It's a bit off topic, but I, I it's, a, it's a good point to be made here because um, we do, we, we share a lot about our, our personal relationships on the show and you know, one of the one of the best things I talked about the walks and the things that Katrina and I and the reading a book together. Like, there's been a lot of little things in our little relationship hacks that we have figured out along the way that has has kept our relationship really strong. And one of the best things uh, we ever started to implement, we did, we really started to implement this when I was competing because it was like necessary then. Um, but you know, Sunday prep day. 
And I, I tend to cook all the meat and she does all the side stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you guys are hanging out together. Yeah, we're in the kitchen together. Yeah, we do the same thing. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a two hour process or so, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less. Um, and when we do, we, and we normally pick her and I normally pick two to three different meals. And this isn't like, we're not prepping every single thing we're going to eat for the entire week. We normally pick two or three solid balanced meals that before we went grocery shopping that, which we go do together, we agree on like, you know, she normally asked me, what do you feel like? Do you feel like your, your chili and your turkey dish and this, and we'll decide like, okay, yeah, those are the three main dishes that we're going to rotate through, through the week. And then we prep those three main dishes so that there's always some of those in the refrigerator. And, you know, I'm eating four times a day normally. So one or two of those always are coming from that, or I always have access to that if I'm not making a fresh meal right then and there or going to get something that I think is good and healthy and balanced for me. And what that's done for our relationship is incredible. It's just, it's a nice scheduled time that makes us present, uh, makes us make good choices. We're doing something to better both ourselves. It ends up sparking dialogue. Totally, because so I think so many we, other we perceive co- we perceive oftentimes cooking is not a good time. It's a fucking great time when you're right. doing it with other people. Yeah. It can be a totally awesome, fun time. You know, here's the other thing. I talked about creating some space between you and the impulsivity that comes sometimes from eating certain foods. Treat your meal like a meal. Most processed foods, nobody, okay, n- Maybe some people do, but most people don't set the table, put a plate and a fork and a knife. Or a hot pocket. And yeah, and then put it on a plate or like pour, you know, Oreos on there and sit there and, and yeah. eat and it's usually impulsive. Put on right? some jazz and get some wine and cut through my hot <laughs> yeah, pocket. Yeah, treat all meals like meals. And I that, feel like you do that. Yeah, <laughs> I <don't. laughs> Maybe I have. I feel like you block do of cheese. Yeah, block of cheese. Yeah. Candle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got another block of cheese sitting don't in the judge chair. Me. <laughs> He's got one on the plate and one sitting on the chair. Hey, let's eat this cheese together. Cheese. It may or may not have happened. And then I'll eat you later. Yeah. No, I mean, treat meals like meals. Sit down, eat your food. Chew your food. Don't be on your phone, um, and that plays into that whole creating that, space. In that's between. a that's a big that's a big thing. That uh, and again, I like sharing things that I know I fucked up on. I mean, I, that's the place that I always like to come from. It's not me standing on in on my high tower and fucking pointing the finger. It's like, man, what a difference that made by. Make not eating in front of the television. Like mm-hmm. I love my shows. I love Netflix and chilling. I love all that shit. And like, what foods are usually eaten in front of a TV? Right. It's it's t- <laughs> and even if it even if it's good, I still think it, it's a very good healthy practice that I like to teach clients. That when you're trying to create these good behaviors, now that does that mean I never eat in front of watching a Warrior game? All the fucking time I do. But when I'm trying to teach good behaviors to clients like around food, this is one of the things that I highly encourage or make some of them do, which is no food in front of the TV. When you eat, you eat. You sit down in front of your food, you pay attention to your food, you eat your food. When you're full, you're done. And then go do whatever pastime you want to. Combining them only puts another barrier, another distraction from those already tough signals to read and pay Mm -hmm. attention to. So that's a big tip that I think most people don't pay attention to because we're in, and so and for sure get rid of your phone. I mean now we live in this this everything's on our iPhone. I mean look at the go into a restaurant today and I guarantee you won't find five tables where people don't have their phones out while they're eating. Like you that's a terrible habit because you're over here getting all kinds of other signals through your Instagram while you're also shoveling food into your mouth. So that's a big big tip that somebody can do just by by eliminating being distracted while eating. Totally. I'll say this, and, and I'll stand by this. If, if you were to give 
if you were to tell people one thing to do, just do this one thing, um, and it, it had to affect them in a positive way, both with body fat percentage and health, lowering their body weight, and also you have to factor in that they would be able to follow it and stick to it, okay? The, the, the one thing that I think would be easiest and most likely to contribute positively to everything would be just to largely avoid ultra-processed food. It would not be to count your calories. It would not be to make sure you're not, you know, you're burning more than you're taking in or count your proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. It would not be watch your carbs or watch your fats or watch your... It would be literally a simple step. Just try to avoid, largely avoid ultra-processed foods. And what will happen naturally for most people, again, you're not going to get shredded doing this, but you're definitely going to go away from obese. You're definitely going to find your body weight go more towards a healthy, natural body weight by doing that one simple step. And so this is why counting macros, this is why, and studies are now proving that. I love that studies are coming out showing this because I learned this as a trainer training for two decades and I went through all of it. I went through macro counting. I went through low carb and low fat and you know when to eat and all that stuff. All those things made little changes but the one single thing that made the biggest and it's not this simple I'm not saying this is the only thing but if you had to pick one thing it would be largely avoid ultra processed foods and let your body does what it naturally does which is it'll bring you it'll bring you down to a more normal healthy body weight and that's it look go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides they're all absolutely free also check us out on Instagram you can find Justin at mindpumpjustin you can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.